Tonight, let's go to the book of Proverbs, chapter 11. Proverbs, chapter 11. And then we'll read for right now just verse 29. But we're going to go to a few different scriptures, but maybe mark Proverbs, chapter 11, because we're going to do about, we're going to look at several verses in there. But verse 29 says, He that troubleth his own house shall inherit the wind, and the fool shall be servant to the wise of heart. Notice the first part of that verse, he that troubleth his own house shall inherit the wind. Okay, what is that talking about? What does that mean? Uh, What does it mean to trouble your own house? What does it mean to inherit the wind? Well, I guess a good way to say, you know, inheriting the wind. Okay, and you really, first of all, what does wind do? Okay, well, one, wind, it kind of, you can, Kind of make things chaotic sometimes, can't it? It can just kind of mess things up. But really what I think this verse is trying to talk about here, inheriting the wind, okay? What if I told you, hey, the wind is yours. Go get it. Well, (laughs) you can chase it around all you want, but you really can't contain the wind, can you? That's not something you can get. It's not something that you can actually hang on to. It's not something you control. It's not something you can use for your own. And so and really to inherit the wind, who cares? I mean, really, what's the big deal if there's absolutely nothing that you can do with it? And when you trouble your own, and the Bible says, he that troubleth his own house. So what does it mean to trouble your own, trouble your house? That doesn't sound good. Inheriting the wind doesn't sound like a good thing. And we've been teaching on the home. And of course, we don't want to trouble our house. But what I believe, to, what it means to trouble your house. And it's based on a few different things. And um, go ahead and go to First Chronicles chapter 2. And then we're going to go to... Or, you know, go to Joshua chapter 6. Go to Joshua chapter 6. I'm going to read you what First Chronicles chapter, Chronicles chapter 2 says. And I think this can give us a good idea of troubling your house. We're going to look at somebody who troubled... They troubled their house. And they troubled not just their house. They troubled their nation. They troubled Israel. And it says in 1 Chronicles chapter 2, it says, And the sons of Carmi, this is going through the chronologies and it's naming people, uh, the first few chapters of 1 Chronicles. Difficult chapters to read. It's pretty much just all names. But it gets to something. Let's see if you recognize who this is. It says, And the sons of Carmi, Achar, the troubler of Israel, who transgressed in the thing accursed. Does anybody know who Achar is? Achan. Yes. Achan. It's another spelling here of his name. We see that a lot in the Old Testament. There's several different spellings. But yes, Achar. This is talking about Achan. And in case we don't know who Achan is, go to Joshua chapter 6. And you all probably heard this story before, but it says uh, in Joshua chapter 6, it says, and it came to pass the seventh time when the priests blew with the trumpets, Joshua said unto people, Shout for the Lord hath given you this city. Anybody know what's going on right here? In Joshua. We just read one verse of it. If we read more of it, you'd know what it was. Tell me what just happened here. The walls of Jericho just collapsed. So they just fought that battle of Jericho. We all know that story. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho and the walls came tumbling down. What a great victory it was that day. And so they did. They did what God said. And the walls were going to come down. 
And it says in verse 17, it says, And the city shall be accursed, even it and all that are therein to the Lord. Only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all that are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. God said everything in Jericho is accursed, except for Rahab the harlot and her family. And what that's a wonderful story there about the grace of God and how He saved and spared Rahab's life and everybody that she brought into her house. And what a wonderful story that is. Rahab, who ended up marrying... Salmon, I believe, either Salmon or Naasan, I think it was Salmon, and was in the line of Christ. This was Jesus' great, 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 great grandmother. I don't know how many greats. But, and then she was the only one that wasn't accursed. Her and all her family. In verse 18, And ye in any wise keep yourselves from the accursed thing, lest ye make yourselves accursed when ye take of the accursed thing and make the camp of Israel accursed and trouble it. And then, if you so right there is where God tells them, don't take anything out of the city of Jericho. It's all accursed. And then in Judges or not Judges, Joshua chapter seven, Joshua chapter seven, right after the story takes place, it says, or well, if you look at the verse before in verse twenty-seven, it says, so the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame was noised throughout all the country. This huge victory has just taken place. I mean, this was one more thing that the world was talking about when it came to Israel. Like, you remember, these are the people that God opened the Red Sea for. These are the people that God destroyed the armies of Pharaoh for. These are the people now that God defeated, the, you know, took down the walls of Jericho for these people. So, I mean, they're famous, they're noised abroad, everything's looking great, but then in chapter 7, verse 1, but the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing, and the angel of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. And we're not going to take time to read the whole story, but Joshua, he went out to go fight his next battle. And boy, they're so excited after that victory they had at Jericho. They went to go fight that next battle. Like, we don't even need very many people. Hey, let's go take these people. And they went and they should have won that battle easy. But they lost that battle. They lost several men in that battle. And Joshua, he's wondering what in the world is going on. What happened? And you know, one thing, so you know, what, what did Joshua do that was wrong? Well, one thing Joshua didn't do is he didn't ask the Lord what to do in this battle. You know, whenever they had the big battles, they were always going to the Lord. Lord, what are we supposed to do here? How are we going to do this? Well, with this battle, because it was an easy one, they didn't, bother, they didn't bother asking the Lord. I believe if Joshua would have, God would have said, do not go up against them. You will lose. Because you all are cursed right now. But they didn't ask, but they found out. When they lost this easy battle, and Joshua was wondering what's going on, and God said, Someone has taken of the accursed thing. And so they went through and they searched the tents and they found everything with Achan. And you remember the story. Because of Achan's sin, Achan and his entire family and all of his possessions, they were stoned and they left a heap of stones on top of them. And as a result of that, you know, that took care. The curse was broken. They were able to go on after that and they were able to win that battle. But notice how it calls Achan. 
In First Chronicles chapter two verse seven says, "And the sons of Carmi, Achar, the troubler of Israel, the troubler of Israel." It said there in Joshua in chapter six. Uh, it said, uh, "No, don't take of the accursed thing and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it." So right here we see an, uh, an example of what troubling is, and tonight we're talking about troubling your home because really there's. Many homes today that are just having problem after problem and they don't know why. And the truth is, they are troubling their own house. They are inheriting the wind. It's, they don't know what's going on. And so how do, how do we trouble our own house? Okay? We're not you know, necessarily taking anything from a, uh, a cursed city you know, that we know about like Achan did. It was pretty obvious what Achan did. They fought a battle. God said, don't take anything. Do not touch anything from there. Don't do it. Achan went and he, Achan knew he did wrong in that story. We see in the Bible that he, he took those things. He took a Babylonian garment. Okay, I don't know why he took that Babylonian garment. Where is he going to wear it? Okay, If he starts wearing that, people are going to be like, where did you get that, Achan? Uh, remember that place where we weren't supposed to take anything from? I took it. He didn't do that. The Bible says he went and he buried it. He went and he hid it under his tent. Because he knew, he knew he was doing wrong. And I believe many people today are literally they're troubling their own house by bringing in the accursed thing. So what are, what are some of these accursed things? Okay, now... So, you know, we are in the New Testament age. We don't necessarily have, like, you know, I don't think you have to worry necessarily about if you were to, uh, you know, see some idol out there and find it. And if you accidentally touched it, you know, you're going to have a curse on your family or it's going to, you know, you're going to end up getting some disease. Like we see things in the Old Testament, like where when uh, the Philistines, I believe it was, they took the Ark of the Covenant. The Lord smote them with emeralds. And I mean that was a that's kind of a neat story, and uh, that there's things that you know if, if you touch this, this is going to happen. If we touch the ark of the covenant, we're going to fall over dead. Don't think that would happen. But however, there are things that are cursed, and if we bring them into our house, they will destroy our they will destroy our home. They will trouble our home like they did with Achan. It will trouble your home, and not only will these things trouble your home, but it will trouble your church. If you do that, you as members of this church, you can, by what you bring in your home, it can trouble this church. You are a member. You are a part of the body of this church. And not only that, it will trouble your community. The sin that we bring, the things that we do, it will, it affects an entire, it can affect an entire community. We see that throughout the Bible, and that still applies today. But one thing I see people bringing in that I believe. Uh, is an accursed thing that we can kind of see an example of this in Proverbs chapter 11 where we started out and that is the God of money. The God of money. Bringing in other gods. Now once again, now I, I do think it would be wrong for you to bring a graven image into your house. Uh, I think... I think that clearly is a violation of the Ten Commandments, especially if you're bowing down and worshiping it. I don't recommend, you know, you go buying statues of, you know, Buddha or whatever and putting, putting them in your house for a decoration. I don't think that would be a good idea for you to do that. However, I think there's other guys you can bring in your house that are far more dangerous than a statue. Especially, 
especially in our culture, and that God of money. So are we not allowed to bring money in our house? I'm not saying that. But we see here in verse 28, He that trusteth in riches shall fall, but the righteous shall flourish as a branch. He that troubleth his own house shall inherit the wind. Right here, talk about trusting in riches. Now, it is not wrong for you to have money. It is not wrong at all. It's okay. We've read, uh, we did a few messages on finances a while back. There's clearly nothing wrong with money. But if that is the God you're serving, if He is supreme in your life, if He's the one that you're following after, that you're, the whole focus of your family is on that God of money, then, yes, that is a God that you're bringing in. See, me, you know, hopefully, if money is something that you use so you can pay your bills, Take care of your family. Just do the things you need to do. Okay, that that's not a problem to me. You know, money is something that I can just use to fulfill my responsibilities and serve God more with. Okay, I'm not looking. It's it's. Uh, I I don't think you know. I guess nobody would say money is a priority in their life, but you know, I, I don't. I hope it's not in my life. But in many families, money is everything. Families, they will move, your fathers, they will move their entire family to horrible places where there are no good churches. And they'll move them there and expect their kids to turn out okay. I know there's no churches there. And listen, God can move you to a place where there isn't a good church, but I believe if He does, it's because He wants you to help you start, He wants you to get one started there. And people, but people will do that. They'll move places that are not fit. To raise family, there's, listen. There's places out there that are just flat out wicked. That uh, it does not make sense moving your family there. It's unless you are going there to make a difference, to evangelize, and to uh, preach the gospel. It doesn't make any sense. People, they you know, money controls everything. Money controls whether that you know they're, they'll let their job dictate whether or not they're going to go to church. They'll you know let their job dictate, or they'll let money dictate how they do everything. You know, they would rather have things than pay, give their tithes and offerings. And that that God of money, it's very clear that it is supreme in many households. And you know what? You're going to inherit from that the wind. Okay, you might you might have some things, you might have some nice stuff, but you know what? You can't control it. You can't contain it. It's something. It's not something you can hang on to. It's amazing. You know what people will do. Just to go after things that are only temporary, that aren't going to last, you know. And then the more things they get, it's like the more stressed out they are because they got to figure out how to keep those things. You know, I, I mean, honestly, I don't know that I would want to own a brand new car. Now, I'm not against having brand new cars, but if I had a brand new car, I mean, right off the assembly line. I'm not. I mean, I'm going to be spazzing out every time something happens with it. You know, my kids are going to be miserable in it because you know I'm going to be you know screaming every time anything happens. I mean, any any little thing happens to it, it's going to scare me to death because man, I've got you know a lot of money invested in this thing. I'm paying a $500 a month car payment. I mean, I'm going to be worried about that thing. I'm not going to be able to enjoy it like I should. You know, my vehicles I have, I you know, when we had ice out in the parking lot, I'd go do donuts out in the parking lot and not even worry about it. <laughs> it's, uh, uh, it's, you know, if, if it gets a little dirty or scratchy, I'm not going to go abuse it. But, you know, I'm glad I can enjoy it. 
I'm not going to let you. If, I, if I've got a brand new vehicle, I might be tempted not to be generous with it. I might not want to share <laughs> my, my vehicles if, you know, if I've got a whole bunch of money invested in it. And some people, though, it's all about money in their families. You can tell by looking at them. You can tell by the way they live their lives. They don't have time for church. Why? They're too busy making money. They can't be a blessing to anybody else. Why? They're too busy trying to accumulate for themselves. They can't give to the work of the Lord because they're too busy focusing on their, themselves. And you do that, you're bringing a curse in your home. Because your children will probably do the same thing. And it's, it's, not, a, it's not a good... The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. Okay? And... So there's nothing wrong with wanting to be able to pay your bills. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be able to you know, have the things that you need to take care of your family. There's nothing wrong with that. But if it's just about riches, if it's just about having that big bank account, you're going to trouble your house with that. You're going to be miserable. But the God of money, and then really just the God of carnal pleasure. We see in verse 30, right after verse 29, it, says, it talks about inheriting the wind. It says, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And he that with his souls is wise. Behold, the righteous shall be recompensed in the earth, much more the wicked and the sinner. We see here, right here, it tells us where the happiness is. The fruit of righteousness is a tree of life. He that with his souls is wise. If you want to not trouble your house, if you want your house to be a blessed house, for us as Christians, okay, we are born again Christians in the New Testament age. We're supposed to be spreading the gospel. We're supposed to be fulfilling that great commission. And right there, that's wisdom. Right there, that is a, that's a tree of life. When I think when it talks about a tree of life, that's a place where you're going to find sustenance there. You're going to have what you need there, and it's the fruit of righteous when you're obedient. To the Word of God. You know why most people don't want to obey the Bible? Because it goes against what the flesh wants. They're thinking about those lusts of the flesh and that's what they live for and that's why they do the wicked things that they do. Listen, people, you know, the things that the Bible frowns on, the, the Ten Commandments, okay, the reason people break those is not just because of they hate God. It's not just because they don't like the Bible. It's because... The loss of the flesh. Why do you think God had to give all those commandments? Because He knew what our flesh was like. He knew we would gravitate towards those things. And so He gave us His law. And He told us how we can be blessed. And it's righteousness that will be that tree of life to you. And many people are miserable today because they've only been taught to serve the gods of pleasure. Go after Whatever it is your heart desires. You know, girls there being taught, follow your heart. For the heart's deceitful and desperately wicked, the Bible says. And they're, and they're taught to serve that. Hey, if that's what you want, go for it. Wait a minute, what does the Bible say about it? The Bible, the Bible says it's sin. The Bible says we need to stay away from it. The Bible, you know what the Bible says? Flee youthful lusts. I believe that's the total opposite of following your heart. Your heart's going to lead you, uh, can lead you to some many horrible places. But many people today, they're miserable because they're living with the consequences 
that come from serving these gods. Notice what it says there in 31. It says, behold, the righteous shall be recompensed. Okay? If you're doing right, God's going to recompense you. In other words, He's going to repay you. He's going to give you uh, your reward for doing the right thing. You're, and it says you're going to be recompensed not in heaven. It says in the earth. You're going to be recompensed in the earth. Now, does that mean you're going to go win the lottery? No. But it means you'll be fulfilled. And that fruit, the fruit of righteousness is a tree of life. Winning the lottery does not fulfill people. It doesn't, it doesn't make them happy. It gives them you know, a good time for a little while. But it says that the righteous shall be recompensed. And then it says, behold. It's like, behold, look at this. Look at the righteous. They're going to be recompensed on the earth. And if they're going to be recompensed, it says much more the wicked and the sinner. So if you believe that, and most people believe if you do good, if you follow God, you know, He'll bless you, He'll take care of you in the long run. But not, if you believe that, then even more you ought to believe that bad's going to come on the wicked. That recompense is going to come to the wicked. God says, behold, I mean, even much more the wicked and the sinner. Sometimes when doing right, it seems like, you know, Lord, you know, aren't you noticing what I'm doing? You know, Lord, we ever going to kind of get the payoff for doing, you know, we're trying to do things your way. You're doing your will. And sometimes it seems like forever. But you know what? We will be taken care of. It says on earth, but much more the wicked. For the wicked, you know, it's going to happen. And it's probably going to happen quicker than you think. And many are miserable because they are earning the benefits of these gods. You bring those gods of the gods of money, the gods of this carnal pleasure into your home, it's going to trouble your house. There's going to be pain. There's going to be sorrow. And we see that our country more and more is going after these things and it's troubling our country. People aren't getting happier from serving these things. I mean, you would think... I mean, you know, said I mean, our, our country. I know, you know, we've got our financial woes and things in this country. And if you listen to the radio, I mean, it sounds like everything's going down the tubes. But I mean, really, look at what we have in this country. Look at what's considered poverty in our country. I mean, you know, most people that I'm seeing who are miserable are well fed, have places to live, have cars. Have cell phones. I mean, have have televisions. They've got all these things. But is it making people happier? I mean, is it really making people happier? Listen, if Obama tomorrow, he got up and he gave another executive order. He's been doing a lot of those lately. And just gave an executive order that all Americans are allowed to have big screen TVs and cable. And government's paying for it. Well, you know what? There's going to be a big party. There's going to be a lot of people that are going to get really excited and thrilled to death about it. But is it going to make is is our country going to get better off as a result of that? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. We'll probably get worse because now some people are going to just get even lazier now that they've got that cooler TV and now TV's more entertaining. Now they have more channels. It's not going to make them happier. But a lot of people, though, you couldn't convince them right now that that wouldn't make them happier. You could you couldn't do it and. Because they are serving those gods of pleasure and they just can't seem to figure out the reason they're miserable is because these gods don't bring happiness. They think, I need more money. That way I can have more drugs or whatever. We see the drug use 
that's just out of control in this country, it's not making people happier. They keep getting in deeper and deeper. I mean, what it does that people physically, I mean, you look at some folks and it's just like, you know, good night. What is going on here? What are you doing to yourself? And they just, they won't stop. They keep on doing more and more. That the, you know, the flesh cannot be satisfied. And these, so these gods with little g are wicked, they're evil. Our nation is serving them more and more and they are troubling their house. The fathers do it, the mothers do it, the kids end up doing it, and it's just it's getting passed on from generation to generation and it gets worse with each generation. It's just it's horrible the way people are living these days. And I mean, it really it breaks my heart. So troubling, you can trouble your house by bringing in the accursing. Be careful what you're bringing. Be careful what you're watching on television. Okay, I mean, you bring a television in your house, you hook up that cable, boy, there's a lot of potential. I'm not saying everybody that has it's watching all the garbage, but boy, there's a lot of potential to see a lot of horrible stuff. Same thing with the internet. Boy, I mean, man, you've got to be careful with that stuff. You can be, you can bring stuff into your home that can literally, I mean, just corrupt and pervert the mind of your children to where they can do unthinkable, unspeakable acts. I mean, it is amazing how young people are getting started in perversion. And how young, I mean, we, people just, some of these sexual offenders and things out there have done horrible, perverted things at young ages. How did they get, I mean, some of the stuff that's going on today, I, hadn't even, I didn't even know about those things when I was that age. I could not have committed that sin at that age because I, I never thought of it. I never heard of that sin. I, I didn't know what it was. How can they be doing those things at such a young age? Bringing in the accursed thing. The parents are watch, they're letting their kids, kids watch just horrible you know, garbage on television. Some of the words you hear kids saying, I didn't know those words when I was a kid. Therefore, I could not have said them. I, I hadn't heard it. How, how are they talking like that? The parents bringing in the accursed thing. Same thing with same thing with drugs. I think the first time I ever saw drugs, so, and, and, and honestly, I don't even know for sure what it was, but I'm pretty sure it was drugs. Uh, we, were, we had the bus route over the church and we went to go pick. Uh, we were, it was on a Saturday afternoon. We were visiting some of the families and these kids. They hadn't come in a while. And um, I remember I went up to the house and there's... Several fellas, uh, you know, don't want to stereotype or anything, but uh, fit the profile, I guess you could say. And I remember I'm up there, and I went walking up there, and when I did, there was a pile, I I don't even know, of some kind of weed um, on there, some kind of plant. And I said, I don't know my drugs very well. And the reason I was pretty sure it was probably drugs because when I walked up there, I kind of looked at it, and he went and he took the paper and he covered it up. <laughs> and so uh, I'm assuming that you know the fact that he had to hide it, and that was probably something uh, that didn't want to be seen. And I just remember, and I thought, I'll bet that was drugs. <laughs> I, I don't know a whole lot about that stuff. I remember another time I was uh, we were out and we saw some kids. They uh, they hadn't uh, been in church a long time. They had actually moved. They were back in the area visiting. And young kids, just good, I mean, good kids. And uh, 
Unfortunately, though, you know they, they didn't have fathers in their life. For one, his father was actually a rapper somewhere. According to his son, you know he wrote some rap songs for some big name rappers that I'd never heard of. And I don't even know it was true. It was probably all talk. But uh, these dads were never around. And I remember I saw these kids walking down the street, and I was with a friend of mine who just gotten saved, and uh, he had had uh, done some drugs and things in the past. And I remember. Um, you know, we, we stopped and I was like, hey, how, you know, how you guys doing, man? We've missed you guys since you moved, you know. And he was like, well, what are you doing in town? And they're like, oh, we're here visiting family. And they had another fellow with them who was, this kid, he was only like 13, rode the bus. He was 13. His brother was like 10. And they're hanging out with this guy who's probably about 17, 18, 19 years old. Once again, don't want to stereotype, but he fit the profile. You know, he was wearing a necklace with uh, some with uh, like an AK-47 or something on it. And I asked him what his name was. So, hey, what, you know, what's your name? He said, Snowman. <laughs> and I was just like, Snowman? <laughs> you know, I, I kind of chuckled. And, you know, he, he kind of got this look in his face. And I was like, okay, whatever. And uh, he was wearing a lot of white, too. Now, you know, and... Uh, I was like, that, that's interesting. <laughs> and I always hoped I'd run into him again. If I saw him, I was going to be like, hey, uh, Frosty, right? <laughs> oh, Snowman. <laughs> you know, but but I, I never saw him again. But um, when we left, uh, Joe was with me. He was just like, I was like, what was with Snowman? What's that all about? And he's like, he's like, you don't know what that means? I was like, no. He's like, he probably sells snow. What? What's that? You know, and he's like, uh, cocaine or something. Oh. He's probably a drug dealer. Oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't know. You know, I was like, I'm not really familiar with that type of lifestyle. But say, many people they they are. I mean, they are so wise concerning evil. And he, these kids, man, I, I I miss those kids uh, so bad. They, they were such nice kids. And I saw them hanging around Snowman. I thought, oh, that's not good. That's not good. You know where their mom their mom moved them to East St. Louis. That area that's got one of the highest crime rates in the country, just a terrible place to raise your family. And I thought, man, I, I don't know what's happened to those kids. But I it's probably not good. And those as uh, nice and as good natured and at the time as innocent as those kids were, there was things that they were allowed, like I said they're they were allowed to listen and watch the rap music and stuff, and they really glorified that. And the rap music it glorifies that gangster, uh, you know, drug lifestyle. And you know, I'm afraid. And if I was to find out where they are now, they're you know, one his name is Jonathan. He's probably he's probably close to 20 right now. I wouldn't be surprised to find out. You know, he's already been in jail and already done drugs and things. And you know why? Because I saw the accursed thing in his home, and. Boy, unless, unless something drastic changed, I, I, I'd, I'd be scared to find out. But troubling, bringing in the accursed thing. We could talk about those things all night. But another way, too, is also just by being a terrible example. You can trouble your house by being a terrible example. 1 Samuel chapter 2. 1 Samuel chapter 2. Here we see the priests, um, Hophni and Phinehas, and it says in chapter 2, verse 22, it said, Eli is rebuking his sons. And it says, Now Eli was very old and heard all that his sons did unto Israel, how they lay with the women that assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And he said unto them, Why do ye such things? For I hear of your evil dealings by all this people. 
Nay, my sons, for it is no good report that I hear. Ye make the Lord's people to transgress. Hophni and Phinehas, their terrible example, they were not doing the, the sacrifices right. They were not observing these, these rituals the way God had wanted them to do it. And by that, they were causing God's people to transgress. They hated the sacrifices. They hated the offerings. People despised it. And they said, we don't want to give. We don't want to do these things. These priests aren't doing what they're supposed to do. And they were sinning by not bringing their sacrifices and by not bringing their offerings. And Hophni and Phinehas' horrible example that they had caused other people to sin. The immoral things that they were doing, the laying with the women that came uh, to, and assembled at the door of the tabernacle. How wicked that was. I, just, I think about just where our country has gone morally since the Clinton administration. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. Things that took place there that it was stuff on television. Stuff, it was not talked about. It was not spoken of. But now it's a very commonly talked about thing. It was like, hey, the president did it. So it's okay for everybody else now. I mean, just the horrible example. I, I really believe that his actions while he was in the White House helped bring our country Way down morally. The President of the United States was doing it. You know how many people I've heard that have justified alcohol? Because, well, the Pope drinks wine. Well, if the Pope does it, it's got to be okay. No, it doesn't. Sin, sin, doesn't matter who does it. Doesn't matter if it's the President. Doesn't matter if it's the Pope. Sin is sin. And here, and so just by that, many people have transgressed because of the president, because of the Pope. Now, listen, I know there's individual responsibility. And God's going to judge those individuals for the sins that they've done. But the truth is, these people like that, like the president, they've troubled our nation. And Hophni and Phinehas, they were troubling Israel because of their transgressions, because of their terrible example. The problem was they were so self-centered. And many people, they're so self-centered, they don't realize what they're doing to other people. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 5 says, Better is it that thou shouldst not vow a vow than that thou shouldst vow a vow and not pay. Suffer not thy mouth to cause thy flesh to sin. Don't let your mouth cause your flesh to sin. It's like you have, when you vow a vow, okay, when you make a promise, there's been no sin in the flesh yet. Nothing's happened but your mouth. Because you didn't keep your mouth shut. You made that promise. You didn't do it. Now your flesh has sinned. And just like your mouth can cause your flesh to sin, sometimes our sins can cause other people to sin. Our, our sins will motivate other people. Uh, and that's what they did there. And they were self-centered. They didn't care about it. They didn't think about the fact they were trying. They needed to set an example. The reason many pastors fall into sin sometimes is they they're thinking about themselves. They're not thinking about all the people that look at them and look up to them and respect them. I've seen a lot where pastors or youth directors, when they fall into sin, many of the young people in that church fall into that same sin. Why? The one they looked up to, the one they respected did it. And it's like it gives them license to do it. Same thing with fathers. You know, your, your sons, they're, they're going to look up to you. They're going to respect you. If you do it, they're going to feel like it's okay for them to do it. Mothers and daughters, same thing. And 
one of the things that try that helps keep me straight is I got I think about the people that are looking up to me, my kids especially. I think about that, and if there's a temptation to sin, I got to set a good example. I've got people in my church that that respect me and that look up to me. You know, I've got people that I work with that know that I'm a believer, and I need to set an example for those people. I cannot do that. And thinking about others is what often helps keep me from sinning. And because I don't want to trouble. I don't want to trouble my family. I don't want to trouble my home. I don't want to trouble my church. I don't want to trouble my workplace. So I, I need to set a good example. And, and uh, so there, there's a lot of examples we can give to talk about that. But taking advantage of your position and not taking it serious is another thing that will cause you to trouble your house. The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 24, if you want to turn over, I want you to see this. Deuteronomy chapter 24. We need to understand the position that we're in, okay? If you say, well, I'm not a pastor. Well, you know what? You're a church member. You're a believer. You're a child of God. That's an important position. You are a father or a mother. You're, you're a brother. You're an uncle. These are, these are all positions that are important. Maybe a grandfather, whatever it is, you need to take your position very serious. And it says in Deuteronomy 24, When a man hath taken a wife and married her, and it come to pass that she find no favor in his eyes, because he hath found some uncleanness in her, then let him write her a bill of divorcement, and give it in her hand, and send her out of his house. And when she is departed out of his house, she may go and be another man's wife. And if the latter husband hate her, and write her a bill of divorcement, and giveth it in her hand, and sendeth her out of his house, or if the latter husband die, which took her to be his wife, her former husband, which sent her away, may not take her again to be his wife. He's given some laws about divorce here and remarriage. And then he says, after that, after that she is defiled, for that is abomination before the Lord, and thou shalt not cause the land to sin, which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance. Now notice what he's talking about there. He said, the land to sin. You know what he was actually talking? He's talking about the actual geographical location. The actual land. This is, when he's talking about the land here, he's not talking about the people. He's talking about the land. When you do this, you are causing the land to sin. And you know what would happen when the land would sin in the Bible? Or when they would cause the land to sin? It would vomit them up. That's why God said, you know, keep the sodomites out of the land. If you do after their abomination, you know, the land, it will vomit you up. Well, how does the land vomit somebody up? Weather catastrophes, disease, sickness, pestilences, famines. And those things would happen in Israel when they would be wicked. And did you know, just our sin as Americans, we need to take that position serious and understand we don't want to cause our land to sin. I don't want the land land vomiting us up. I don't want I don't want the natural disasters and all those things to be taking place and the sicknesses and diseases. I mean, look at the diseases that are just all over this country. It's just it's horrible. All all over the place. And I believe a lot of it is because of sin, people not taking their position serious, and they are causing others to sin. They are troubling their house, troubling their churches, troubling their country. We don't want to be we're supposed to be the salt of the earth. We're supposed to make the world a better place. We're supposed to make our community a better place. We don't want to be causing it to sin. We need to be causing it not to sin. We need to be like it says in Proverbs, he that winneth souls 
is lying. Well, if we're winning souls and they're not sinning like they were before, that's less sin. That's less troubling of the land. And that's less, and we don't we, we want we need to be really pushing that. So we trouble our house by bringing in the accursed thing, by being a terrible example. But then, and then lastly, just by being an actual promoter of the sin. In Nehemiah chapter thirteen, verse twenty-six, we see it said, "Did not Solomon, king over Israel, sin by these things?" Talking about idols. Yet among many nations was there no king like him who is beloved of his God, and God made him king over all Israel. Nevertheless, even him did outlandish women cause the sin. Right there, it says it. Now, Solomon was responsible. Okay, Solomon, he's going to stand before God because of what he did. But it says here that his, his wives, outlandish women, they caused him to sin. He didn't want to worship Ashtoreth. He didn't want to worship those other gods. He loved Jehovah God. That was the one that he loved. He didn't want to do that, but they wanted him to. They liked serving those other gods, and so they wanted to get him in on it too. And you know what? There's people out there today that are, you know, there's, there's young people. They don't want to drink, but their friends want them to. They don't want to try drugs, but their, I guess you say, friends want them to. They want them to try those things. They don't, they're promoters of sin. You know what they're doing? They're troubling them. And some people, they're just not content to sin on their own. They want to involve others. That is why, for example, you know, with the homosexual crowd, why they are trying so hard to recruit. They want to recruit. They want as much of it on the television as possible. They want it to seem as normal as possible because they don't want to feel, they don't want to feel that guilt that comes with sin. When they're miserable, they want it to be because they want to think it's because people are judgmental and people are uh, are against them and people are all homophobes or whatever. It has nothing to do with that's just what sin does. They're not content to sin alone. They want to involve other people. That's most people. You ask them, you know, when was the first time you smoked a cigarette? What was the first time you did drugs? I used to ask kids this when I was in the detention home. I'd ask them that all the time. I was with a friend. Somebody who promoted, you know what they did? They troubled them. They, they actually promoted the sin. I, I, know, I don't think in most homes, parents actually promote, you know, try to talk their kids into sinning. Most of the time that's not done. But at the same time, this can happen in church. Maybe somebody in the church, they like the rock music or whatever. And you know what? Why? With music, people are not content to just have their own music and, or their own bad habits with music. They want to spread it to everybody else. Whatever it is, even if it's good stuff, people do that. I mean, they just they want to shove it down your throat. I mean, it's like, you know, I've got, to me, I've got my type of music that I like. And, but, and there's other music that's not necessarily my favorite, but I don't think it's unbiblical. I don't think it's wrong. And, but, you know, I'm not going to go shoving it all down other people's throats. Okay? I just, for some reason, with music, and especially with wrong music, people do. They want to shove it down. They want to shove it down their throats, and they actually come in and they promote it. They promote sin, and you know what? What what they're doing? They are troubling the church. They're troubling the house of God. We have to take our positions, whatever they are, serious and understand that what we do has lasting effects on other people. If we're wise, 
We, can use, we will use our position selflessly. Use your position selflessly and we can cause other people to be blessed. You can cause your family to be blessed like David did. And you can cause your church to be blessed. You can cause your nation to be blessed like Christians are supposed to do. Or we can use our position selfishly causing others a curse. Causing others a curse. Troubling our house. What are you going to get from it? Because that's what it's all about. People think they're going to get something. Well, you'll inherit something if you trouble your house. You'll inherit the wind. Have fun with that. See what it accomplishes. It'll get you absolutely nothing. It will be. It's worthless. It's pointless. But we can cause blessings on other people. And don't be like Achan, the troubler. Think about it. In Chronicles, when he gets mentioned, it wasn't enough to just say his name like they did a lot of other people. They said, "No, Achar, the troubler of Israel, who took her the accursed thing." What a sad story. That is what a sad legacy. That is, you know, I imagine Achan, he probably did a lot of other good things before that. But that's not what he's remembered for. So don't bring, don't bring in the accursing. Don't trouble your home. So let's all stand together tonight.